Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review, hang out with us for a while. Right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights that legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. And this, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 301, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. And, man, were we ever tonight, in a, in a, in a weird, weird way tonight with this Cowboys game, because I got to tell you, man, at 20 to nothing, I, I got to tell you, I had this thought. 20 to yeah. nothing... The Cowboys offense is moving slower than a constipated poop and has nothing to show. I think what what they have in the first half, I think it was 81 total yards in the first half, if I remember correctly. Something embarrassing like this. Yeah, and and I got to tell you, and this is true, if we didn't do a podcast, and this, this happened before, like when we used to be on the radio and whatnot, and I, you, there every once in a while would be a game. You're like, man, if, if I wasn't in radio sports talk for a living, I might have walked away from the game. Because oh. I saw nothing whatsoever in the first half that gave any hope that this was going to be anything other than a 30-0 type game, a 30-6 type game. Well, I think, the, I think you would have been well within your rights, except... That seventeen nothing is not enough to turn away from it. No, but twenty to nothing. No, but that's what I'm getting at. So it's twenty to nothing. But then they took the kickoff when it was twenty to nothing, and if Kelvin Joseph, who had an awful night, doesn't get in the way, uh, literally, and knock down Turpin, he might take it to the house. But anyway, he returned to sixty-two yards. They're at the thirty-eight, and so then you should have been thinking, oh snap. They've got their butts kicked the entire first half. They get a touchdown here. It's 20 to 7. The ball game on. Yeah, except I was thinking, oh, that's cool. So they're close enough to get a field goal now. Oh, you're just you're just all out at that point. Did you see Cooper Rush in the first half? That I mean, and, and we're gonna get into this, but and I'll explain. To me, that was one of the worst halves of quarterback play I've ever seen. Yeah, he was off from the from the jump, man. You know, but again. And I mean, I know some of y'all are like, well, what do you know? How do you know this? How do you know that? Uh, you're no different than us fans. No, I really am different. Uh, I told y'all a long time ago, when Cooper Rush first started playing well, the more tape they get on him, it usually takes four to six games. Defense coordinators start taking away what you like to do, and they see if you can adjust. And the problem is, 
Cooper Rush, like most inexperienced backup quarterbacks, because he hadn't played a lot of football, what does he do, Matt? He locks onto that first read. He doesn't really get through his progressions. Defensive coaches have figured that out. They know what the Cowboys are kind of running because they've scouted him. Now that they've got some tape of the game plan for him because it's much different than the game plan for Dak. And they started taking away what he likes to do and, you know, forcing him to do things he doesn't like to do or forcing him to do things he's not as good at. And what has happened each of the last two or three, four games, man? His production has gone down. Doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback. It's just he is who I thought he was. A little better than that, if I'm honest. But, you know, all this stuff about this quarterback get his job back and all, y'all tripping, man. This is uh, Cooper Rush has done a great job, but the more he plays, the more he gets exposed. Yeah, and that's something that, it, if for whatever reason, people don't want to admit it. They don't understand that. They don't seem to get it. Cooper Rush, I mean, I wasn't kidding. That, that is, I cannot recall a worse half of quarterback play than, than Cooper Rush in the first half tonight. Five of 16. Oh, he was five of 16 for 36 yards with two interceptions. I mean, there was at one point he had three completions to the Cowboys and two interceptions to the Eagles. He had, I mean, multiple times I go through my notes. I think at one point he had a seven consecutive, like, horrible passes in a row. <laughs> I mean, just horrible. Like, like way overthrow, way underthrow, way behind a guy, nowhere near the receiver. Like, what are you throwing at? Just a lot off there. But before we continue that conversation, man, we got to tell you about Greening Law as we've been telling you for a long time, Greening Law, their offices with Robert Greening, the green team right there in Dallas, Texas. If you've been hurt in a car accident, if your offense looks like the Cowboys offense, maybe you need to call Greening Law and see if they can help you because that's malpractice. And <laughs> I mean, that's reality. If you experience malpractice from a physician, if you're injured on the premises of a business, you need to call the lawyers at Greening Law. I know from personal experience, I'm continuing to work with them. They handle all this stuff in the background for you so that you can focus on getting your body and your mind back to what it was before whatever accident that happened to you. Let them take on the insurance companies for you. No, man. I mean, that's a smart thing to do. And again, we've told you all the time, if you're involved in any kind of accident, whether it's at a residence, a business, apartment complex, it doesn't matter. Pick up the phone and give them a call just to see if they can help you. Because if they take you on as a client, Matt's told y'all, this can be kind of a tedious process, kind of a complicated process. For some folks, kind of a scary process. Who doesn't want a friend with a flashlight leading you down the path saying, hey, follow me. Don't worry about it. Nothing's going to jump out the bushes. I got you. That's grading law right there. It is. It is indeed. And the best part, it's easy to get a hold of them. And that consultation is free at 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening. Call him now. Office, Dallas, Texas. So we continue the Cooper Rush conversation. And man, it's just interesting. And I, I figured out what it was tonight because there's a guy in my fantasy league that is just all about Cooper Rush and thinks Dak is horrible. And then Victor on Twitter is all about like bringing up how I said that I thought the Cowboys would be 0-5. I actually said I thought they'd go 0-8 however long Dak was going to miss. And, and he's, oh, and then Cooper Rush went out and went 4-1 and one and all that. And thank you, Cooper Rush. And I'm like, man, to me, like, at times they're winning in spite of Cooper Rush. And I, I don't know what these people are seeing about. And then it hit me. You know what it is? I think Cooper Rush is a very good backup quarterback. But the problem becomes, and this happens from time to time, there is this, like, weird vocal group of people who think Cooper Rush somehow is better than Dak or they'd be better off without with Cooper Rush that I almost find myself rooting against him 
so that those people can see what we saw tonight and finally understand what we've been trying to tell them. <laughs> Which is an ass backwards way to think about it. Because I don't ha- I have no problem with Cooper Rush. I don't I have zero problem with him. I, I was rooting for the guy. You want the Cowboys to win. The job that he has done in the time that Dak has been gone, it's that's what it, you can't even find anybody that could go out and do it better than what Cooper Rush has done. That's what you ask of your backup quarterback. But anybody who's been watching this offense the last five weeks, thinking that this is something special or, or wow, I can't believe what's getting done. This this offense is not good, and it's still not good, and they still got a lot of problems. And I'll be curious because I had a conversation with one of my brothers tonight. I honestly don't know, and we'll see how much better this offense can be with Dak. I think it, I think it could be. Uh, It'll be better, but I don't, I don't know that it's some colossal. I, like I don't think Dak comes back, and all of a sudden this is a top ten offense again. No, but it, it ain't built to be a top ten offense. It's not designed right, to be a top right. ten offense because they're going to run the ball more. Uh, they should take, uh, you know, they're not taking a lot of shots deep. They're trying to win with defense and special teams, which is fine because you can win that way. Um, so, I mean, you know, the thing that comes back is Dak is a better quarterback. He's a better thrower of the football. And so that should create more more plays for you just because the passes will be better. Uh, he's more nuanced in the offense, so he should be able to get to his second and third read like he's done the last few years. And he can make more plays with his feet than Cooper. Uh, and so maybe on third and four, Dak can scramble for a first down, something like that. Or on third and seven, he scrambles for six, and I can go for it on fourth and one and convert. Uh, so I think they'll be better with Dak at quarterback. Dak, to me, I mean, hell, he ought to be worth a touchdown a game, don't you think? You would, you and, would think and, so, yeah. So that takes your scoring from, you know, somewhere around 18 or 19 or 20 to 20. Let's just say if they can get to 24, they're in good shape. And you would hope with Dak – you can get to 24, even, and it doesn't matter how you get to 24, whether you drive a couple times, the defense sets you up, Turpin has a nice punt return or kickoff return sets you up. It uh, doesn't matter how you get there, but if they can get to 24, man, they'll win a lot of football games this year. Yeah, and that was the thing is, is early in this game, I mean, I'm just watching this and go, man, at some point, the, the, you, your offense has to help you out at some point. And the defense, for the most part, was stout tonight, but Cooper Rush, I mean, again, he was just horrible. I mean, and Dak's had bad games. Every quarterback has bad games, but that ha- that first half is I I don't know that I've ever seen an NFL quarterback. I mean that was that reminded me like when Nathan Peterman played for the Bills and threw five picks in one half, and it's just like every pass he threw could be intercepted. Cooper Rush had a couple other passes tonight that everybody thought was going to get picked that didn't get picked. I mean he could have thrown five or six interceptions, but we'd seen that leading into this game. We had seen a couple of times in each of the last two games where there should have been interceptions. The defense just dropped them. And we even pointed this out on our podcast during the course of the last week where we had talked about that and said, man, at some point, the defense is going to keep the balls that hit them in the hands. And when that happens, it's going to put a lot of strain on the defense because it'll give them short fields and the defense is going to have to stop. And that's exactly what happened tonight in a couple of instances. But again, Cooper Rush going four and one in his five games. I don't know that you can ask for anything else from the guy, regardless of tonight. I mean, you went four and one, your team's now five and two, and, and that's much better than, or excuse me, your team's now four and two, and, and that's a lot better than where most of us thought they would be at this point. Hell yeah, you have to look at the big picture, which is what? When Dak went down, you said Cooper Rush is going to start five games. What do you think the record will be? We looked at the schedule and said, oh my God, if it's three and two, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Uh, Because there's a chance it could be two and three, which is 
almost on the fringe of putting them out of contention. So shoot, dog. You know, to be four and two right now. Cooper Rush goes four and one. Uh, we said it three weeks ago. If they split the two games with the Rams and Philly, it would be a complete and total success. The only thing that would be better would be undefeated, and you hope that the split would be the win over Philly and the loss to the Rams. So you didn't get that, but you got the split. Dude, um, you know, they, who's the next four? They got the Rams. I mean, they got the Bears. They got the Lions, the Bears, and I think it's Bears. the Packers and the Vikings coming out of the bye. Right, and then the Giants. So these next five weeks will tell us something. The Packers, uh, they're not that good. We've seen that. Uh, it's been proved without doubt getting blown out of the crib by the Jets. Uh, the Vikings are good, but none of us ever trust Kirk Cousins. And the Giants, I don't think, are good. They're just winning, and so they get credit for that. But nobody, nobody looks at the Giants and go, oh, my God, there's a Super Bowl contender because Daniel Jones remains a quarterback. Yeah, well, they beat the Ravens today, so who knows? And, and again, we'll get into that later on, but when you, when you look at this Cowboys offense tonight, and this is... I mean, it's what the offense is, and we've become accustomed to this. They ended up cracking over 300 yards because of some of that that last big play to CeeDee Lamb when they were down by nine with like a minute and 40 seconds left. Finally, they cracked 300 yards for the day. 4.9 yards per play. As we all know, the, the passing game does not work. 181 yards passing. Rush was 18 of 38 with three interceptions. Averaged 4.8 yards per pass, which is god-awful. But the thing of it is, man, it's a wide receiver problem that we knew that the Cowboys were lying to us at the beginning of the season. We still have never seen Jalen Tolbert do anything. I don't even think he's been active except for one game. (laughs) CeeDee Lamb, is he going to be a number one when he's facing all this different coverage? Well, tonight, when it was a game, and I'm talking about while there still could be a chance, not that last little rinky-dink thing that happened there, Lamb had four catches for 44 yards on nine targets. Michael Gallup is getting zero separation. We saw that tonight. He was blanketed by Bradbury or Slay, whoever they wanted to use on him. He had two catches when this thing mattered on seven targets. And and you see this become a problem. When they talked about Noah Brown went out for a while and was getting worked on, it leaves you with no one. You you have no one, and you have a, a player in Michael Gallup who is obviously still not back to what he was before his ACL injury, nor would you expect him to be which puts all the focus on C.D. Lamb. Like, you and I spent, what, five months leading into the season after the Amari Cooper trade wondering what the hell they were going to do about this. And, and we are now seeing, six weeks into the season, it's playing out exactly that problem still persists. Dude, I mean, it wasn't even surprised. I mean, to anybody that knows anything about football, it's because when you looked at it, it just left you too short. In case there was an injury, you have no contingency in case there's an injury. That that was the whole problem with getting rid of Amari Cooper. Um, it just left your depth short. And now we saw it again today because Noah Brown has turned into a valuable part of the offense and you need him and, he, and he's, been a, you know, he's been a solid player for you the first few weeks of the season. But, dude, they are woefully thin is a good way to put it at receiver and not all that good. I mean, they're all right, but they're not, they're not anything special. Ain't nobody walking into the room on Tuesday, on Wednesday morning to my fellas. How do we contain this wide receiver group at Dallas? Ain't nobody thinking that. They have in the past, but not right now. No, and I don't know that that's going to change. I mean, maybe it will as Gallup 
gets some more games and gets more acclimated and back into the swing of things. I don't know, man. But again, you, you look at how often they look for the tight ends. And, and, and part of it, like you said, Jacques, I mean, now they, everybody had four games of tape on Cooper Rush coming into this. They knew what he would struggle with. They knew what looks to give him. And with the Cowboys rolling out what they have at receiver, but that was a disconnect. There was a disconnect in week one when Dak played. There's been a disconnect for the past five weeks with Cooper Rush, and it's been a problem. I mean, for the, for the majority of the season early on, I don't know that there's a solution here. Maybe the Cowboys will look at this and say, we got to find somebody to come in. Maybe Jerry is counting on James Washington getting healthy and randomly doing something. I don't know. I mean, I think the um, – I mean, I've said this before, and I, I don't think anything's changed, and I don't really think you can change it this season. Um, this offense, to me, and it's bearing out again today, I think, um, they they simply don't have enough playmakers, bro. There's just not enough guys on this team who can make plays. Um, Tony Pollard is one. You know, C.D. Lamb and Michael Gallup t- together might combine for one. But what are we talking about today, bro? In the first, you know, what do you call it, 57 minutes of the game, one play of 20 yards or more, 22 yards to Jake Ferguson. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's it, bro. That last thing the CD Lamb came with a minute 49 left. Um, so I've told y'all, when you don't have big plays and you got to consistently drive, it's just hard to score, man, especially with this team. They got no explosion, man. And until they figure out a way to create some big plays, um, like I thought they did a much better job of trying to get Pollard the ball in space today. Um, I like the way they tried to give him the ball. He got he ended up with 11 carries. He also caught a couple of passes. Um, you know, they tried. Doesn't mean it always worked, but at least you gave him an opportunity to make some things happen and uh, and hit it but you you got to keep doing that because you don't have anybody to break it open no you, you don't and I thought the rush on the ground today their, their run game was good Zeke had 13 for 81 you look at overall the Cowboys had 26 rush attempts for 134 yards that's 5.2 per and I think you're going to take that against anybody Zeke had several nice runs he had that big run of 14 yards for the touchdown. Tony Pollard had a run for 13 and a run for 15. He had 11 for 44 overall. And it felt like it really, even the jet sweep to start the game with CeeDee Lamb, who picked up eight yards on that, it felt like for the most part they were effective in moving the ball. And keep in mind, this is a really good Eagles front. That's the second highest yardage total the Eagles have allowed in their 6-0 and start on the ground. The Cowboys put it up and and. When their run game starts working and we started seeing it more in the second half, then you can do some things throwing the football, and that's what allowed them to kind of get back into this thing. No, I thought um, one of the things that mattered tonight was Kellen Moore showed really good patience in the uh, second half sticking with the running game. And that allowed them to cut it to 20 to 10. And when it's 20 to 10, okay, now you're in the game. Because uh, it's only a 10-point game. If you And I think right then I tweeted out, if you're an elite defense, you get a stop here and give your offense a chance to make it a game. And uh, they would have had a three and out probably, but they had a dumb penalty, which extended the drive. But they got them out on the next three. And uh, I think that's when they went down to score to make it 20-17. So uh, they did what they needed to do. 
uh, the running game. They figured out something. Uh, you know, Chris Collinsworth was talking a lot about double team in the middle of the field with uh, the center and the guard and then uh, attacking the A-gap for the Cowboys and really running between the guards. And um, and then they were also running, starting up the middle and then bouncing it outside. Zeke had uh, his vision was on point tonight, man. He cut yeah. a lot of them back and then cut it up uh, before he got to the sideline. This is probably one of his best games we've seen in a while. Uh, 13 for 82, but I mean, he was—he just looked like he was in a rhythm all night long. Yeah, it worked very well. He—he was—I would say good tonight. And, and I don't know that people can complain about Zeke for the first time, perhaps in a long time, because that seems that you hear that all the time. Oh, Zeke's done. Pollard's so much better, and you saw that tonight. You saw what Zeke still has left a little bit, and. Again, this is a good Eagles defense, and the Cowboys a lot of the times, and this is one of the things in the game, the hidden yardage, so to speak, especially in the first half where the Eagles had multiple opportunities starting inside Cowboys territory, and then you saw this with the Cowboys, and at some points it was their own fault for doing it, but the Cowboys were starting so far in their own territory with an offense like this. You ask the Cowboys every single time, you got to go 75 or 85 or even 90 yards down the field to get a touchdown. Meanwhile, Philadelphia had drives that started on the Dallas 44, the Dallas 34, the Dallas 46, and their own 47. Yeah, and what did those drives turn up into, bro? Points. I mean, I think that was 13 points right there. Yeah, 13 points. Well, that's what I said. I mean, the Eagles had two drives. They're a good NFL team. It's okay to give up two drives. You know what I'm saying? That's not like... Oh, the Cowboys had a bad game. They gave up two legitimate drives. The other ones, man, the offense put them in bad spots uh, with those three possessions, and uh, that's how they blew the game open. Uh, to, to, to go deeper on your point, bro, um, Dallas' average starting field position was a Dallas 22. Philadelphia' average starting field position was their Philadelphia 39. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> that's huge. I mean, that, that's a difference of 17 yards on every drive, basically. Dude, I mean, that's two first downs almost. Yeah, and that, that's uh, the thing. Like you, we, like you, I, I feel like that never gets talked about enough. Like, like I call it hidden yardage because it's not yardage that shows up. You, you know what I mean? Like statistically. But, but it's such an advantage. If you're telling one team, hey, you're going to basically start every drive on the 39 while the other team starts on the 22, you're, you're fighting uphill. Right, right, right. Um, but that, that second drive... You know, also killed the Cowboys. 13 plays, 75 yards, took seven minutes off the clock and really, really put them in a bad spot. Well, and, and that was also, again, and this continues to be a problem. We've had some people tweeting us a, a, about it tonight. There are a couple of monster penalties in this game. The Cowboys Bro. committed 10 penalties for however many yards it was. One of those is on that drive that you're talking about. The Eagles' second drive, they the Dallas defense actually holds up. They set up a fourth and four. And it was obvious, what the hell did you think Philadelphia, they weren't going to go for it. They were trying to get you off sides and they were going to kick a field goal. But instead, Dante Fowler Jr. is like, well, hold on a second. I want to see if we can stop a first and goal. And commits, jumps off sides on a fourth and four and basically just gives Philadelphia their first touchdown. And that dude's like a five, six, seven, eight year veteran, man. I mean, it's just ridiculous. You can't make that mistake with that experience level in a game like this. No, you can't. And, and the other one that really stood out to me, I was trying to find it in my notes because I can't remember exactly at what point in the game it happened, but you mentioned it earlier. Here it is. It's what would have been the Cowboys' eighth drive of the game when it's 20-10, to 10, I believe. And they ended up scoring a touchdown on this anyway, 
But this is a type of stuff that Turpin has a nice return of 33 yards. Yep. So you're like, okay, this is great. It sets you up nicely. But instead, Kelvin Joseph commits a block in the back penalty, and that that started the drive, I believe, at the seven-yard line. Now, like I said, they ended up somehow getting it down the field and getting the touchdown on that, but it's little penalties like that that you, you just can't consistently continue to do things like that and win games. No, there was Micah Parsons' taunting penalty. Yeah, which was a bla- uh, it was a blatant taunt, too. I mean, in today's NFL, they call that. Uh, we can argue the merits of whether they should or not, but, I mean, you looked at it. They, I mean, you can't even argue. That's no. the way that they call it. That is taunting. And like I said on Twitter, it's like that. Taunting is the most dumbass penalty in the NFL, but it is a penalty, and that was taunting. Um, you know, my boy Calvin Watkins tweeted out, uh, why is Trayvon Diggs getting a penalty? All he did, he was mad. He took his helmet off. Like, you can't do that. That's the, that's the Emmitt Smith rule. Yeah. You can't. You can't take your helmet off during the game. Yeah, and, and think during, about While you're on the field to play. Right, because, and again, what that do, and it ended up not mattering, but it gave Philadelphia an opportunity to go from two for the one, which I was actually, I was shocked that they didn't do that Jalen Hurts play where they load up Hurts like they did on the fourth yeah. and one. I don't know how you stop that. Like I, I have, no, if I was Philadelphia, I would every time I had a fourth and one, I'd run that every time. Well, they run it every time they have a third and one, so yeah. I mean, I, I and I thought that was strange. They didn't decide to do that because with Hertz as big and physical as he is in their offensive line, I, I honestly don't know how you stop that. You don't. And so I thought <laughs> I, I, I was like, well, they're going to convert. It'll be twenty-eight to seventeen. And the fact that they didn't, you know, but it's penalties like that because it ends up not mattering really. So you forget about Diggs and you forget about Joseph, but you can't make penalties like that and the penalty thing again it, it it you can't commit 10 penalties in an nfl game just like alabama no. found out against tennessee you can't commit 17 penalties in a college football game and think you're gonna Bro. win. that's it we'll get into that on our next podcast <laughs> man i'll spend some time on that on my radio show on monday but my god but th- this is one of those things when the cowboys continue to do things like that that you look at this and the fact that they were able to get back in this and make it a game at 20 to 17, you just go, how in the world with the offense the way it was in the first half, in the boneheaded penalties that you see this team make, somehow they continue to hang around. And the reason why is because this defense is really, really good. And, and we'll get into that before we take a look at the defense. Have you ordered your bruise built on yet? And I got to tell you, if you haven't, you should try it. If you like beef jerky whatsoever, you should try Biltong because I think you're going to love it. Bruise Biltong. It's B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G. You get it at bruisebiltong.com. You use the promo code JAM15. You get 15% off your order. Biltong is a South African air-dried meat. It's 100% air-dried beef. And Jacques and I both had it, I mean, many, many times. And man, I, as you know, savory it's tender. What a snack. Dude, it's it's amazing because it's all the benefits, all the things you like about beef jerky with none of the inconvenience. Like, you ain't got to pick it out of your teeth because it's so juicy that you can actually chew it and swallow it. It doesn't get mm. it on your teeth. Uh, I love it. You know, I'm down with sliced biltong, man. But I love the butt strips because, what is it, two-ounce pouch, 230 calories, 30 grams of protein. It's the perfect snack if you're talking to me, man, because it keeps you full, especially if you chase it with some water. And uh, that protein is what gets your body looking like this. <laughs> there you go. Oh, it's fantastic. You guys are going to love it. So check it out. And again, 
support him, man. Steve is a, is a really good dude. He had this idea. He's from South Africa, originally started making it in his garage, and everybody liked it so much that he, he, quit, his, he quit his job as a rocket scientist so that he could focus on making Bruce Biltong. I mean, think about that. So support him. We're the only podcast he works with. It's bruisebiltong.com, promo code JAM15. Also, of course, Freeway Tire Shop, our guy JR, man, nobody. You will never experience a mechanic on your life anywhere. The level of JR and his crew at Freeway Tire Shop, the level of trust, the commitment to excellence, the standing behind their work and doing work that you can trust where you drive away feeling confident that you didn't just get ripped off like you feel every time you go to some other mechanic no dude that's exactly why i rode with jr man he learned um customer service from uh being in the management program at home depot but bro i rock with him because you can trust him to diagnose what's wrong with your car which is the biggest thing then you can trust him to use quality parts to fix it so don't have to worry about the same problem coming up again then my favorite part you can trust him to give you a fair price for the work that he does and then, bro, you can trust him to stand behind his work. Um, it's worth the trip from wherever you are in Dallas. He's five miles north of downtown or five minutes north of downtown, right off of 35 in Commonwealth. You can't miss him. It's a great, 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 because I trust him. You should, too. Five times great. That's how amazing he is. <laughs> Check him out. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can request a quote, schedule an appointment today at FreewayTireShop.com. This Cowboys defense, it, it – was really really good tonight and I think at times people weren't giving them enough credit for what they did tonight this is an explosive Philadelphia offense now you look at it you say well they gave up 136 yards on the ground okay but they did hold them to 3.5 yards per carry they held Jalen Hurts to six yards and attempt passing the ball and when you look at this overall Overall tonight, Philadelphia, they did get the 26 points, but keep in mind, we kind of talked about that. 13 of those 26 points came on extremely short fields that the offense turned the ball over, giving Philadelphia the opportunity. Philadelphia tonight ran a total of 68 plays for 268 yards. That's 3.9 yards per play, and that is about 100 yards less than their previous fewest yards output on the season. So the Dallas defense actually played well. But again, and we've talked about this, you can only ask so much from your defense before the offense has got to help you out at some point. No, man. I mean, I think that was, um, that was the whole thing. Is that I was looking at the game and I was like, you know, they the, – the game just changed when they gave him those three short fields in a row, and Philadelphia did a terrific job of turning it into a touchdown and two field goals, 13 points, uh, to really open it up in the second quarter. But as I looked deeper into the game, I'm like, you know, it felt like Philadelphia was doing a lot, but I looked at the numbers, bro, and I was like, whoa, they aren't doing anything. Um, and so the Cowboys really actually put the clamps on them. The pressure was good tonight, and uh, Michael Parsons was a difference maker even in the fact why they were trying to attack him by, you know, going at him or not blocking him and making him, forcing him to make choices, almost like a read option, just reading him and doing uh, whatever put him in a bad situation. But that being said, he still made himself a factor. They had several guys make tackles for losses. Overall, man, you know, it ain't no moral victories, but, uh, you know, it's the NFL, so you can play good and lose or you can play solid and lose. And tonight, for the most part, the defense to me, 
Um, I told you I'd, I'd know after the last two games whether they're in a top five group or a top ten group. I think they're a top five group. I'm not going to argue with you, man. I mean, if you don't have those two interceptions and the boneheaded whatever that was that we have to address on the on the fourth down call, I mean, you look at this, just take one of those away, and the Eagles probably don't crack 20 points tonight. I mean, they had 20 points in the second quarter alone, but again, that's with a couple of turnovers and the turnover on downs, and then six points in the second half. As you brought it up, they still had four sacks. Dorrance Armstrong made a couple of nice plays. Donovan Wilson had a sack. Golston had two really nice plays, including a sack. And Dante Fowler Jr. also had a sack. And yes, Micah Parsons didn't have a sack, but he was credited with a tackle for a loss, two passes defense, seven tackles. I'm seeing some things on Twitter where it's like, do somebody asked us trying to see, Prentice asked, has Philly found a way to use Micah's aggressiveness against him? Will we see the teams in the future use the same strategy or is Philly unique? I think with the way Philly can run their offense with Jalen Hurts and doing a lot of the option and stuff like that, I think there's a uniqueness to that. But Micah Parsons still had a very good game. No, he was – here's the thing. There are, game, there are times when defenders play and they can be invisible for whatever reason. Philadelphia devoted a lot of time and energy to him, and he was still very visible. And that's that's the only point I'm making. Like, you know, he was still invisible. You saw him – he was still making plays. He was still in the mix. He was still uh, a factor, even though he didn't dominate the game. But his presence always allows other people to 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 make plays. And so I, I thought uh, for giving the job that he did, on, he had a pretty solid night. Yeah, and again, you see this a lot of the times where he's double teamed. And then especially when Lane Johnson went out and they were having to double team and triple team him at times or double team and use a guy to chip. And that, as you just mentioned, it opens up a lot for everybody else to make some plays. I mean, four sacks and six tackles for a loss tonight as a unit, I, I, I think you'd take that every single time. I mean, that that is, again, this is a really, really good defensive unit that held, for the most part, held a very explosive Philadelphia offense in check. I mean, A.J. Brown, five for 67, only had one catch over 20 yards. Devontae Smith only had five for 44. His longest reception was 13 yards. Miles Sanders, 18 for 71 on the ground, 3.9 yards. But you look at Jalen Hurts, and I have Jalen Hurts on my fantasy team. This is a dude who can gash you at times, kind of like a Kyler Murray. He only had nine carries for 27 yards tonight. So all in all, I mean, they held this, this Philly offense in check for the most part. Dude, I mean, that's why, to me, again, ain't no moral victories, but that's why you just have to keep this loss in perspective and say all. And I, I think that's what the Cowboys, I don't know what they'll say publicly, but privately, Mike McCarthy be telling the team, like, boys, look at all the mistakes we did. Look how we fell behind. And we were, you know, this close to getting back in the game. Because think about it, bro. Um, what is the score? 26-17. CeeDee Lamb doesn't have a dude within 10 yards of him running down the left sideline. All Cooper Rush has got to do is get the ball to him. And I guess he got hit as he threw by Brandon Graham. The ball goes astray and um, it gets picked off. If that pass is completed like it should have been, it's probably a touchdown. It's uh, you know 26-24 with four minutes left and it's on and popping. Yeah, that, that was a weird throw to me because he held the ball too long for one. And 
I still don't know, and, and we'll never know. I don't know. I mean, obviously getting hit affected the throw, but he had been so off all night, and that ball was so underthrown. I don't know. I, I don't know that I trust Cooper Rush to hit CeeDee Lamb on that throw tonight. Regard, even if he was like just standing there in the pocket and nobody was coming at him. <laughs> but he, I mean, he held the ball too long. Jalen Hurts did that a couple of times tonight too, and he just didn't pay for it. He got sacked once. He had like four seconds to get rid of the ball and just held on to the ball. And that was that play with Cooper Rush where he just held it and held it. And, and I think he saw CD late with that guy who fell down. And when he tried to get rid of it, it was just a split second too long of holding the ball. And, and, and that's what happened. No, yeah, he he was he was a little late holding the ball quite a quite a few times to my yeah. naked eye, my naked untrained eye tonight. Uh, we'll ask some people about it in the next couple of days and see if that's really the case or what the situation was. But you know, we can stop the uh, the debate. Jerry has already said Dak is, uh, or Dak has already said he plans to start next week. Uh, had a good night uh, throwing before the game today, so. Uh, you know, here's the thing, though, bro. They're, they, they, you know, they can win playing this way. They just have to eliminate some of the beat yourself stuff. And here's the thing, um, and maybe it's good that they're not really all that great, is that you, you're off to a great start, really, given your circumstance. You don't want to mess it up by losing to teams that you're not supposed to lose to. So, um you got to take care of Chicago, Detroit, however you take care of them. Again, I don't style point this, this team's wins. And then, shoot, man, you got a great shot to go to uh, Green Bay and win. Their offense is terrible. Yeah, man, I mean, the score in that game might be 9-6. to six. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it's an interesting time. I mean, this is – it's a fascinating season with what this team can be, and I'm very curious to see when Dak comes back – I don't put a lot of weight on what we saw from Dak in Tampa, and, and I don't know why everybody is. It, it, it seems to me everybody thinks that the Dak we saw in, in the season opener, again, well, that Dak sucks. He's not any good. The dude didn't play at all in the preseason. I don't know that Dak comes back against Detroit next week and just lights it up. Maybe he does, but I would expect him to be a little bit rusty and wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't have the greatest of games next week. Now, I, I, I don't know that you ever anticipate that he plays the way he played in Tampa or that he plays the way Cooper Rush played in the first half tonight. But I don't think just the, based on the idea he hasn't played hardly at all and he barely had any action this season even before he got hurt, I don't know that I'm expecting Dak to come out and just go bonkers against Detroit next week. No, but I mean, I think um, he will have a, he should have a full week of practice. Um, you know, maybe it's more about me the first quarter, making sure he gets some easy throws and can work his way back into the flow of things. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, I mean, I think be, he can be solid. There's no need for him to be bad. And, you know, plus, bro, they're going to rely on their running game anyway. And uh, he's got to let the game come to him. But, you know, they, they need to keep on winning because um, the division is not lost. I don't think Philadelphia's going undefeated, do you? No. <laughs> okay, so they'll lose, you know, I could see them going 14-3, and three, uh, something like that. So, you know, you can't lose too many games. Maybe they even go uh, whatever that is, 13-4. and four. But, um, you know, the Cowboys is long, you know, for me it, it's, it's still about they just got to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Yeah. 
starting with, with the next two, Chicago, Detroit, Detroit, Chicago. They just got to take care of them. Both of those teams are bad. Uh, Chicago's got a little good defense, but their offense is, is atrocious. Um, they literally shouldn't score more than seven points against the Cowboys. No, the, the Cowboys, like you said, they truly should win both of the next two games. You're at home. They should be 6-2 and two going into the bye, and then you go to Lambeau, and then you go to Minnesota, and we'll see where you're at. But maybe they can get a little bit of momentum with Dak, and who knows what happens the back part of this season. This is such a wonky, weird, wild NFL so far. The only thing that I think we know is that the Bills are really, really good, and the Chiefs are really, really good. I think the Eagles are good. Outside of that, I don't know that I don't know who you even put as the next best team. Now I think it's wide open. I used to think it was Baltimore or Miami, but the last two weeks have proved that ain't the case. Um, you know, Philadelphia maybe might be in in that group. Well, that's what I'm saying. Uh, like like Buffalo, Kansas City, Philadelphia. I like if you had to say who's the fourth best team in the NFL, I have no idea. No, I think you throw you throw about five or six of them in a hat, Cowboys included. And, uh, you know, shake them out however you want to. I mean, you look, you look at this, man. This is what's so wild when you just take a look around the NFL here. The Giants are 5-1. and one, The Vikings are 5-1. and one. Outside of that, the Bills are 5-1. and one. Every single other team in the NFL other than the Eagles has at least two losses. Even the Chiefs are now 4-2. But we all know the Chiefs are good. You know, but you look at this, man. The Ravens and the Cincinnati Bengals are 3-3. Three and three. The Jets are four and two. Are the Jets one of the best teams in the NFL? I don't think any of us believe that, but they have one of the best records in the NFL. I mean, this is a wild, wild year so far. If you look at this, the top three seeds in the NFC right now, Philadelphia, Minnesota, New York. Dallas is four and two. Everybody else in the NFC, the other 12 teams are three and three or worse. I mean, what do you do? Tampa, San Francisco, the Rams, the Packers, they're all 3-3. Three and three. The Falcons suck, and they're 3-3. Three and three. Or maybe the Falcons don't suck. I don't know. <laughs> Kyler Murray yeah, in see, Arizona. Thought- Arizona's so good. They're going to watch out for Arizona. They're 2-4. and four. Bro. You tell me, man. I, I, I cannot tell you. No, I'm serious. I think it's wide open. It I is mean, wide, wide open. open. Yeah. And, uh, but, you know, this... I've said this several times, uh, and again, I ain't breaking no news here because I, you know, Bill Parcells used to say, but it's especially true this year. Um, everybody's just jockeying for a position, man, until Thanksgiving. Where are you at when it's time to make the stretch run? So you know, man, I think they're just moving around, and when Thanksgiving comes, it'll be time to make a move, and uh, you know, we'll see what happens. But as long as you're in the hunt, then it's all good, baby, and. Right now, they look like this is going to be a team in a hunt, and that's uh, that's far more than I expect. Yeah, it is, man. And, and you look at this right now through six weeks of the – and see, this is the thing. This is what I think is wild, and people go, nobody's – you haven't played anybody. Who has? Outside of Buffalo and Kansas City playing each other. So the Cowboys beat the Giants, who right now have the fourth-best record in the NFL. So is that playing and beating somebody? Well, the Giants aren't any good. Okay, well, then who is? Because the Giants are, are right now, if the playoff started, the Giants would be the fourth seed overall in the entire NFL, which obviously doesn't work that way. But there's one 6-0 and team and three 5-1 and teams. And see, that, that's where I, I mean, what does it mean? Cincinnati's 3-3. Three and three. 
The Rams are three and three. The Cowboys beat them. So what does it mean? I, I don't know. Who's beating anybody when you look at most of the records around the league? <laughs> I mean, the vast majority of the league is at best three and two, but over half of the league is three and three or worse. Bro, I think it's, um, you know, this is Pete Rosell's dream from back in the day. Parody has arrived. Uh, it feels to me like it's Buffalo and Kansas City's world and everybody is just living in it. Which means the the NFC is wide open, brother. Yeah. Um, there is no favorite right now. Uh, I don't think. And you know we've got we've got a few f- uh, Philadelphia fans like uh, my my cousin Doug, who occasionally listens to the show. Uh, Trey, uh, who's already on on Twitter gloating, and I don't you know if gloating I'm gloating about I'm, what like everybody thought Philadelphia was gonna win, bro. You beat a team. With a backup quarterback, I mean, if I was Trey, I wouldn't be gloating by the fact you won by nine in a game in which the other team had 10 penalties and three turnovers. This should have been a blowout, and you let Dallas back in the game. I wouldn't gloat about that. No, he was definitely, hey, he was was really taking shots at Cooper Rush or Dallas fans. Like, oh, you guys thought he was the GOAT, but he wasn't. Okay, well, that's fine. And I was like, uh, but, you know, I I think I take away from it that Philadelphia and Dallas are, are pretty equal. And if I were Dallas, I wouldn't be altogether that disappointed uh, p- playing the first game on the road. I'd rather have the, s- the rematch at my spot because, again, the, the Eagles aren't going undefeated. They're losing again. The division is not over based off of tonight. Uh, now, the Cowboys don't have a lot of margin for error because you got to figure I don't think Philadelphia's losing more than three or four games. You've already lost two, so there's not a lot of margin for error. But you get them once back when it – when it should matter and a chance to a uh, chance to take vengeance. Well, in, in reality of it is both you and I picked Philadelphia to win the division this year. We both thought that they were going to be a very good team. They are proving to be as such like Philadelphia I, is not a surprise to me. I have them in the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I mean, Jesus, look at you <laughs> against the Buffalo Bills. Yes, I have the Bills winning the Super Bowl. So I don't want to if you I can't remember if you picked the Eagles, please say that you didn't. Not to win. Okay, good. I That's fine. Buffalo to win it. Good, yes. You know, and, and maybe the next time that they play, we'll see how well the Eagles fare if they have to play Gardner Minshew, their backup. <laughs> Oops. You okay there? I got the hiccups right there. <laughs> God, that was a hiccup laugh. That was bizarre. Yes, yeah, uh, very, very, very. Nah, man, you know, that's, that's life in the NFL. It's a game of injuries and who can manage them the best. Yeah, no doubt. Um uh, Dallas did a lot of good things. I sound like a coach. Dallas did a lot of good things tonight. Uh, they got some things they got to clean up, but most of that stuff is correctable, man. In general, they played a pretty good game. I'm, I'm shocked that they were able to run the way they, they did. Uh, they moved. They figured out how to move Jordan Davis out the way, and they, they really started attacking him on the ground. Uh, that bodes well for the future. So yeah. A lot of really good things that they did. They just didn't come away with Doug. They did not. They did lose. And uh, perhaps tomorrow, if you're feeling down about the Cowboys' loss, you should find your way over to Smokey John's Barbecue and just order the Jam Session Bowl. That'll cheer you up. Because they'll, they'll give yeah, you that yeah, Jam Session Bowl, and you'll be eating that. You'll be like, my God, this is good. This is so much better than the Cowboys' offense. <laughs> It'll make you happy. It's only available at Smokey John's Barbecue. They made it just for us. I mean, you have to listen to the podcast to even know you can order it because it's not on the menu. It's a secret menu item. And it's damn good. Oh, no, it's fantastic, man. It's your choice of uh, macaroni and cheese or uh, mashed potatoes as a base. You get to pick two out of five meats. Uh, I always go with the brisket and the sausage, man. And here's what I like. 
you don't have to wonder how much meat you're getting because they put it on a scale and measure it out. And then they stick it on there. I mean, it's quite a bit of meat, man. And then uh, they put all the kind of toppings you'd find on a baked potato that's loaded, like uh, some bacon bits, some chives, some onions, some sour cream, uh, some butter if you want it. I usually pass on that, but hey, if you want it, go for it. Dude, put that top on it. Easily, it feeds too. Easily. And uh, there's always leftovers, even with two people doing it. There's a, you can go back and have a little snack later. Mm. Uh, dude, jam session bowl of rocks. I've never had anybody who had it and said it wasn't fantastic. That's, That's actually really true. Right there. That's true. Yeah, no, because, it's true. I mean, we, we have had like, <sighs> I wanted to say like hundreds of you. It feels like it may, that might be true. So many of you have sent us pictures over the last year or so of the jam session bowl. And every single one of you is like, man, this is the truth. Like you guys weren't kidding. It is very good. It's Smokey John's Barbecue. It's local. It's family-owned. Two brothers own it. It's been there for 46 years. What a wonderful place, man. Right there on Mockingbird in between Love Field and 35. So swing by, grab some lunch, maybe. Also, the podcast made possible by Aaron and his crew with HFX Foundation Solutions. The summer that DFW went through, that crazy drought that dried out the land and then the deluge of rain your foundation can shift and it can screw you up a little bit. So if you start noticing those sticking doors or cracks in your walls and the ceilings and stuff, that could be a sign that you've got a foundation problem. And when you see those early signs, you need to immediately call HFX Foundation Solutions and let them come out and take a look and see if there really is a problem because it's a free, no obligation inspection. Oh, no, bro. Got to, uh, you got to have Aaron and his team come out and look at your crib. Uh, this has been a really rough year on soil. You don't want any of those doors sticking, windows sticking, cracks in the ceiling. You don't want any of that, man. Have Aaron come out and give your house the once-over. We like to lovingly call it the colonoscopy for your crib. Oh, I hadn't really said it like that. Normally I say it for your house, but the alliteration with colonoscopy. Yeah, that works nicely. That really, yeah. that, that really works nicely. Uh, just call him up and say, hey, Aaron, uh, jam, I'd like that jam session colonoscopy for my crib. And just set it up and, uh, hey. If, if there is a problem, it's always better to find it early rather than late, save you a bunch of money. Uh, but give Aaron and, and, and his team a call and let them give you the peace of mind that we all deserve when it comes to the crib. It's easy to make happen, man. 817-770-0174 or check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. We got some reaction from many of you that follow us on our Twitter at McMatt Radio at JJT underscore journalist on Twitter. Nick tweets in says down the stretch in the fourth where the Cowboys limited more by Russia's ability, their own play calling or the Eagles D. I mean, that's a good question. To me. I mean, Cooper Rush to me, I don't know what you're supposed to do with that tonight because he, he just had a he was bad tonight. He was really, really bad. Well, here's the problem, bro. When, when you're talking about the fourth quarter. Um, you know, what, what, what's one of the things we said made Cooper Rush really successful during his stretch as a, as a starter? It was easy. He was playing from ahead. Mm-hmm. Tonight, he spent most of the game playing from behind. Um, and so in the fourth quarter, at, at that particular point, he's really playing behind. They can really uh, kind of uh, go straight into pass rush mode because even if, you, even if the Cowboys run the ball, okay, fine, you get eight yards, six yards, ten yards, it doesn't matter. You're trying to score twice. And so, you know, I, th- I think um, you got to give the Eagles defense more credit than anything at the end of the game uh, from, from making plays. Yeah, yeah, they did. They made the plays, and the Cowboys couldn't get it done. 
It's funny because Ray tweets in, says, we definitely need back, Dak back. Yes, he'll, he should be back next week. It's also interesting to see, like somebody like Cameron tweeted at us. He says, I'm not even a Cowboys fan, but thank God we can put the rest of the Cooper over Dak talk. <laughs> I, I mean, look, you got to be on. It's one really bad game. Now, are we going to see Cooper Rush again? I, I think the positive that came out of this for me is the Cowboys have a backup quarterback. Dak was injured. He's going to miss some time. Will he get hurt and have to miss another game this year? We don't know. But if he does, you feel confident that you have a quarterback that should be able to at least not lose you the game and not replicate what we saw him do tonight, hopefully. No, I think that's that's the whole thing. You got a backup quarterback you can trust. And that's that's a big deal in today's NFL because, trust me, not a lot of people have them, and we've seen the Cowboys when they didn't have one. It's interesting. This is one that I thought – I also kind of wonder this because Mark McKinney tweets in, says, multiple drive killers shooting ourselves in the foot. Why didn't we challenge the CD first down that was ruled short? And as many of you are listening to this, and you probably remember, this was a monster difference in the game here. It's 14 to nothing at this point. The Cowboys had driven the ball a a little bit down the field. It's third and nine. And CD had stretched out. I thought that it was obvious that it was a first down. And whoever the, 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 the lady was, whatever, I forget, what is she, the side judge or whatever, the line judge, She came in and was saying it was a first down, and then the dude on the other side of the field runs in and says no, and they moved it back. And I thought it was strange that they decided not to review. Instead, they try to hurry up and run a play on fourth and inches, which I hated that play call anyway. I mean, mean, Cooper Rush had been super inaccurate the entire game, and you're rolling him out asking him to throw it 10 yards down the field instead of trying a quarterback sneak or something up the middle when all you need is a few inches. Yeah, it was a um, – I was – you know, I, typically, unless it's egregious, I yeah, you know me, man, I don't get too much caught up in a play call because when they work, they're great, and when they don't, they suck. But I was shocked that they didn't challenge it. I mean, his whole, his whole hand was over the line Yeah, for the first down. The whole ball was over the line. The only question would have been whether his, his elbow was down – and, you know, Jason Garrett used to say this, and here I am quoting Jason Garrett. Oh, well, look at you. That, that play was essentially like a turnover. And so yeah, that's, was, why, yeah. that's, that's why you would challenge it because it's like a turnover. So it's worth the risk-reward of a timeout or whatever because if you get it, the drive continues. And if not, at least you know for sure – or you have time to pick whatever play you want. I mean, obviously, the, maybe they'd still pick that play, but if they have more time, maybe, they, maybe they'd pick a different play. Yeah, and, and exactly. And the reality of it is they don't, so they turn it over. The Eagles start that drive on the Dallas 34-yard line. I mean, that, that wasn't an interception. That wasn't a fumble. But it, to me, again, that's a turnover on downs is what they call it because it is a turnover. And fortunately, that, is an, uh, that was a wonderful example of the Dallas D bailing out the Dallas offense to some degree because they started on the 34 and Dallas holds them to a 51-yard field goal. So they only get three points out of that, which made it 17 to nothing at that point. But that was one of those, man, that was one of those weird-ass just sequences right there where we're all going, what the hell? Like I thought in real time, I thought that was a first down. I was like, that is, that's a first down. Like, how in the world did the refs miss that? I have no idea. And the fact they didn't challenge it, I mean, if ever there was a play to challenge, to me, that was it. 
Dude, I think um, that'll be one of the first questions asked of Mike McCarthy during the press conference, and I, I think we'll all have the answer in the morning, if not sooner. Yeah, because that's one of those. You just you wish that you could have that one. You do. And who knows? Maybe if the Cowboys can keep that drive going, maybe they get a, a touchdown there and it's 14-7 instead. I, I mean, who knows? But all in all tonight, I mean, you called it. You said it was going to be a nine-point game. And I, I had the Cowboys losing 24-20. to Neither one of us believed they were going to go into Philadelphia with Cooper Rush and, and win this game. I thought Philly would be the first team to crack 20 points on the Cowboys. I thought maybe the Cowboys might be able to get another couple of, like maybe another field goal. But I mean, neither of us looked at this offense and thought they were going to be able to do much to hold them in the game. And Philadelphia's offense that was kept in check. The, again, I, I'm just not, I'm not real surprised by this game whatsoever. No, I mean, I told you last week, I just think, um, I just think, the Cowboys just didn't have enough offense or wouldn't have enough offense to keep up with Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, they kind of didn't, even if they don't give them those three touchdowns. Cowboys have got to figure out some way to generate offense, man. Uh, it's hard to do when you don't get turnovers because you're not getting no short fields. And then, you know, even when you get good returns, man, you got uh, Kelvin Joseph screwing them up. Yeah, <laughs> Kelvin Joseph screwing them up. Just, again, the boneheaded penalties and the mistakes that when you have an offense like this, you cannot make mistakes like this. And the Cowboys do. And they, I will say, I was impressed when you're down 20 to nothing and you fight to get back into the game and make it a 3-point, 20 to 17 game at one point. That was impressive. That shows a lot of fight in this team. And that shows that this team... Call it whatever you want, but they made some adjustments and they came back out in the second half because it would have been real easy at 20-3 to to just roll over and say, we don't have it tonight. We'll see you next week at home against Detroit. Oh, no, bro. I, I made mention of that. To me, that was a big deal. That, to me, showed a lot about, uh, a lot about who they are and what they're all about because it was easy to really give in at that particular time. Uh, they refuse to do it, and uh, for that, um, it bodes well for the future to me. It does bode well for the future, and, and like we said, I mean, man, you look at this, Dak coming back, the way this defense is playing, the fact that they're, again, I, I don't know that Philadelphia is some elite team. We, we have mentioned this so many times in the podcast in the last several weeks since the season really got underway. You look at last year, Green Bay was the one seed at 13 and four. There's a handful of like 12 and five and 11 and six and 10 and seven teams. There just is not some dominant team in the league anymore. Philadelphia is not some dominant elite team that, that cannot be beaten. I mean, I, it, maybe they're the 13 and four team this year. There's going to be a handful of 12 and five teams. And you look at last year, Green Bay didn't make the Super Bowl. Neither Kansas City or Buffalo made the Super Bowl. It was the 10-7 and 7 Cincinnati Bengals who made the Super Bowl that won three road games to get there. Dude, um, it's wide open, and I think that's, that's your point. Um, and again, man, it's not really about where you're starting right now. It's what you're putting together, what you're figuring out, how you're putting your team together so that you can make a run when it's time. Um, and so all these things matter now as you're figuring things out. But your Cowboys, they're in a lot, you know, I didn't pick them to make the playoffs this year. So they're in a lot better shape than I thought they'd be, man. And um, if they can get just a little bit more offense, 
they're going to make this real interesting. Now, I don't know if they can do that, but if they can, it's going to be really interesting what they can do. Yeah, and I, I had them making the playoffs, and as, as I recall, I think I had them 10-7 and seven as the wild card because I had Philly winning the division. And for them to get to 10-7, and seven, I mean, that's, that's what's interesting about this. That means they, they got to go 6-5 and five the rest of the way. So if they can just play one game above 500 the rest of the way, they'll make the playoffs. And that's what's interesting. And again, going back to my earlier point about the parity in this league and, well, they haven't played anybody. They haven't played anybody. And I asked this question, who has played somebody? And obviously a few teams have. But the reality of it is there are 10 teams above 500 in the NFL and 22 teams that are 500 or worse. Wow. So (laughs) when I say that they've played somebody, they haven't played somebody, who has? Because the vast majority of those teams that are up there above 500, there's only 10 of them. That means most of them have played a lot of teams that are 500 or worse. Yes, sir. So nobody's, I mean, you said it's your way. I said it my way, which is nobody's right. played anybody unless they played Buffalo or Kansas City. Exactly. Unless you, and, and again, the Cowboys beat one of those teams that's 5-1, and one, and they beat two teams that are 3-3. Three and three. It's You play who you play. And you figure out where you're going to be. But at four and two right now, man, I, I like where the Cowboys are. And barring some unforeseen collapse or colossal injuries along the way, I do expect them, as I did at the beginning of the season, to make the playoffs. And as we know in the NFL, man, get into the playoffs. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I mean, you can't, you can't compete if you ain't there, brother. I'm just saying this is a defense that can win you some playoff games. But can no, this offense... This- I don't think there's any doubt about that, man, but it, that offense remains to be seen. But the defense, hell yeah. And, and I guess my thing is this, this offense can't, but I wonder when Dak comes back, if they give – and I'm not talking about against Detroit or Chicago. Let's see after the bye with a healthy Dak and you get some rhythm on offense and Michael Gallup improves, are we going to see some, ver- some variation of this offense that can get over 20 points consistently? Because right now they're not going to do that. And you can't win games with this offense – I, I, I mean, you got to be able to score more than 17 points. You got to find a way to at least give me 24 consistently. No, nah, if they can do that, man, we're, we're talking a, uh, maybe the end of that uh, NFC, NFC championship streak. But uh, they, there's potential there. Um, but it's not going to be easy, brother. <laughs> it's not no. going to be easy. No. It's but not. If, they can, uh, if they can figure out how to do it, 24 points a game, then – they can make some things happen. Uh, but it starts with getting the quarterback back, getting him into, uh, you know, used to, used to playing and uh, going from there. We will return with new episodes as the week continues. We will talk to our Cowboys insiders throughout the course of the week, have a little fun, and start looking ahead, of course, at some point, the Detroit Lions, who just consistently – I almost feel for the Detroit Lions. I really do. Because it, it, I actually started playing as them on Madden. Just, I was like, somebody's got to win this poor franchise the Super Bowl. Wow. You know, come on. Yeah, like, you got to help this franchise out. It can't consistently suck, and yet they consistently suck. But it'll be a fun week. I hope everybody has a great week. Cowboys lose tonight, but we're back at it talking more Cowboys and having some fun with you guys. We appreciate you listening. We'll talk soon. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. 
Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.